From the heart of the Carolinas, a voice in the wilderness, a thought-provoking broadcast in a world of ignorant nonsense. But some people without brains do an awful lot of talking, don't they? Yes, I guess you're right. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. And good morning. Welcome to the broadcast. Good to be back with you. How was your weekend? I hope you had a great time relaxing, unplugging, recharging. All of those things are uh, certainly very good. I want to begin, before we even delve into some really important content about the things that are taking place news-wise... One of the things I want to do a better job of, and this is an ongoing, um, how would I describe it, an ongoing challenge for me, because we're at a place where we're just bombarded with information everywhere. It's information overload. I wanted to just share a social media post from a a friend of mine. This friend of mine, Isaiah, posted this this morning. And I want to start with this because it's kind of, it ties in with what I shared about what I hope your weekend was. But this so encourages me because this is a younger friend of mine who is really thoughtful and intentional, which is probably one of the reasons we've become friends. And I want to put this in your mind uh, for consideration. If it's not already something on your radar screen. Here's what he posted. Taking a short break from social media, like I do every once in a while. Last time I didn't tell anybody and people thought something was wrong or I was missing. Life is great and I'm happy. But sometimes you still have to decompress. Focus on mental clarity. And dial in to your own physical and emotional wellness while enjoying real life. During this time, I will be intentional with workouts, affirmations, journaling, and devotions. Feel free to join me. I have to tell you, when I saw it, this is one of the first social media items that I saw this morning. And it's from a person I have a great deal of esteem for. And I just want to put it in your mind As you begin a work week, and many of you are perhaps dreading, oh no, here I am again, starting another week. Maybe this is something that would be helpful to you. Have you done this from time to time? Just unplug. I'm making a confession right now. I used to go on regular retreats, maybe once a year at least, sometimes more. I cannot tell you the last time I've gone on a retreat. And... The reason for this, for the most part, just allow the busyness of life to take over. But there's got to be a point where we say, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to unplug. I'm going to go away. We've got to do something to change this dynamic because I think it's really important for us as we try to maintain our, our identity. Because I think a lot of times we lose track of our identity 
and we allow ourselves to be dragged by any number of agendas. Unfortunately, agendas that may not be our own. Just saying. I hope that is helpful for someone at the start of this broadcast today. A lot of great content, as usual, during the course of the broadcast today. And we have a musical Monday. And no, for those of you who may be manifesting already, it's not jazz. So there. (laughs) In any case, a lot that delve into during the course of the broadcast today. I want to begin here with a story that's raised eyebrows, not just for me, but for a lot of people. Because we've had concerns and conversations for quite some time about the vulnerability of our infrastructure, mainly our power grid. Did you hear what happened over in Moore County? Two power stations, two power substations, damaged by gunfire. What's being investigated as a criminal act causing damage that could take days to repair. Tens of thousands of people are without power, just like that. This started just after 7 on Saturday across Moore County. And they declared a state of emergency in that county, including a curfew from 9 p.m., That ended at 5 a.m. this morning. Schools there are closed today. Governor Roy Cooper, obviously taking this seriously, this is not just a local act that is of concern to local officials, but I think Roy Cooper knows what time it is on this one saying an attack like this on critical infrastructure is a serious intentional crime and I expect state and federal authorities to thoroughly investigate and bring those responsible to justice. That's kind of interesting that he's wanting the feds involved in this. Moore County Sheriff Ronnie Field said at a Sunday news conference authorities have not determined a motivation. He said someone simply pulled up and opened fire on the substation. Same thing with the other one. Not a single group has stepped up to acknowledge or accept they're the ones that did this. The sheriff's saying we're looking at all avenues, all of them. The sheriff noting the FBI look, working with state investigators to determine who is responsible. But they're saying it's very clear it was targeted. This was not random at all. Not random. Now law enforcement providing security, the substations, and for businesses providing around-the-clock coverage. 37,000 electric customers without power as of Sunday evening. It's not a good thing this time of year, as cold as it is. The county had to open up a shelter at a sports complex in Carthage. Duke Energy spokesman Jeff Brooks said multiple pieces of equipment were damaged and will have to be replaced. He said while the company is trying to restore power as quickly as possible, he braced customers for the potential of outages lasting days. We're looking at a pretty sophisticated repair with some fairly large equipment. Large equipment. From gunfire, 
ladies and gentlemen. What have we talked to you about in this program? (laughs) We've talked about bigger issues here, like EMP. Gunfire did this. This is scary. Saying they don't want citizens in the town to be prepared. This will be a multi-day. They do want them to be prepared. This could be a multi-day restoration for most customers. Extending potentially as long as Thursday. Imagine if you're without power. And you're going to be without power until Thursday. That is a while. Obvious area of concern. What do you think is going on here? Just somebody who's unhinged? Or is there something bigger that's going on here? Stay with us. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The text line. You know, the text line goes from the absurd to the very thoughtful. I don't know which category to put this in. Are you ready for this? Vince, the power substations that were shot, probably done by some dumbass redneck boys with nothing else better to do. Bet they were in a big, jacked-up truck with a Trump sticker on the back. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That is just... What do you say to this? What do you say to this? Vince, as an electrical engineer, I can tell you a lot of damage is probably going to take longer because of the obsolescence of parts. Manufacturers of substation components change models and things aren't backwards compatible and don't fit the way they should. You know, I've heard concerns. This is part of the bigger discussion that we've had before about the infrastructure. See, it's not just a matter of the power going out. It's a matter of the the equipment itself, the parts. Where do they come from? Who supplies them? Are they even available? And unfortunately... This becomes very complicated. I mean, think about it. Days without power. Days. I'm especially concerned about older folks. Older folks without power for several days. What if you're on an oxygen machine? How does that work? You know what I'm saying? There's just so many considerations that should be of concern. And frankly, I don't think Congress has had this comprehensive conversation yet. I know Congressman Jeff Duncan, who listens regularly to this program. You can correct me if I'm wrong about this, but I don't think this issue has been dealt with as it should be. Vince, this should be a learning experience for the entire country. Our infrastructure is so fragile. Yeah, that it is fragile. Vince, is the attack on the Moore County electrical grid a one-off? Or just the beginning of something bigger. Taking a page out of Putin's Ukraine playbook. To inflict pain and suffering during the winter by attacking infrastructure. I think there will be copycat attacks in the future. Ah, goodness. God forbid. This person saying this was a test run. Oh, boy. Holy border control, Batman. You don't suppose the domestic terrorism attack on the substation could be 
one or more of those noble immigrants just seeking a better life and future Democrat voters who've been streaming across our southern border unchecked, unvetted, and unfindable. Hmm. This person in the upstate says Congress has to take this problem on. You think? I will tell you what they are addressing during the lame duck session of Congress. Boy, these people really know their priorities. <laughs> that that ought to be a hint. <laughs> I'm serious. When I saw this story, I just thought, really? Is this what is of utmost concern to the American people right now? I mean, again, we just had an election. And I thought this was pretty much the no-brainer subject thought to be at the heart of people's concerns, the economy. We'll talk about what is going to be addressed in the lame duck session coming up a little bit later on. If you'd like to join the conversation, the Ingles Markets Talk Line, 800-928-1110, 800-928-1110, the Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line. It's 71307. Big story happening over the weekend. And this involves the election process for 2024. Where do things normally start? Where do the candidates normally hang out and pour all kinds of resources into? What do they focus on first in terms of states? Well, it's normally Iowa. But if the DNC has its way, that will not be the first center of attention for 2024. It will be South Carolina. Pretty extraordinary, isn't it? How in the world did this happen? Now, I want to remind you of a little history. Who had trouble out in Iowa? Well, the Democrat Party had a problem with their whole caucus process. But Joe Biden didn't exactly come out the strongest out of Iowa. So... If you have control over the process, what are you going to do if you're considering running again? You know, Iowa didn't do anything for you. Where did you get your real bump? Where did you find your mojo? Well, that's what you need to repeat again. Which is exactly the plan. That is the plan. We're referring to South Carolina. That will be the first primary for 2024 for the Democrat Party. This is a big deal. Putting South Carolina in the spotlight like this. They reorganized the presidential primary calendar by removing Iowa as the first in the nation caucus. This was part of the discussion, too, that this whole caucus process is just too complicated. So now South Carolina moved to the front of the line February 3rd. February 3rd. Can you... This is kind of interesting to think about. We're talking about a year and some change, and we're going to be right in the heart of presidential election season. The DNC's rulemaking arm 
removed Iowa as the first state on the presidential nominating calendar, a position the state has had for five decades. Now it starts with South Carolina in 2024. This move backed by President Joe Biden came after the party faced numerous technical issues in 2020. In a letter last week, Biden wrote he wants to do away with caucuses because they're restrictive to hourly workers and require voters to choose in public. He wants the party to focus on states with a higher black population. Why would he want to do that? Because he assumes... He assumes that's where he's going to get more votes. Ultimately, the committee approved moving the South Carolina primary to February 3rd, having the Nevada and New Hampshire primary three days later. The committee also made Georgia the following week, Michigan two weeks after. This is a dramatic shift, according to the Associated Press, from the current calendar, which had Iowa holding the first-in-the-nation caucuses since 1972, followed by New Hampshire's first-in-the-nation primary since 1920. Nevada, South Carolina have gone next since the 2008 presidential election. So this is going to be interesting. We'll have some comments on this from a man who is quite thrilled by this development. Stay with us. Back on the Vince Coakley Radio Program, getting your thoughts on what we have discussed thus far. The power outage in Moore County, North Carolina. Somebody just basically shot up substations. What in the world is the agenda here? Bizarre, to say the least. Absolutely bizarre. And what sort of lesson should we take from this? What is there to learn from this? That can perhaps prepare us for something that could happen in the future that we certainly hope does not happen in the future. What are your thoughts about this? We've already had a texter saying this is a test run. Just a test run. Perhaps for something bigger in the future. God forbid. We also mentioned... Democrats moving South Carolina to the front of the line for the presidential contest 2024. This is a big deal. Now, the revamped schedule could largely be moot for 2024 if Biden opts to seek a second term, but may remake the Democratic presidential cycles after that. The president said for months he intends to run again. And White House aides have begun making staffing discussions for his likely re-election campaign, even though no final decision has been made. The only committee members, by the way, who objected to this proposal were from Iowa and New Hampshire. What a surprise. In fact, both states have laws that mandate they go before everyone else. The committee members expressed they intend to follow their state's laws, not what a DNC decides. So it'll be interesting to see them change their dates, because you can be sure they will probably do that. Overall, these still have to be approved by the full DNC. Likely happening early next year, but the vote will likely follow the rulemaking committee's lead. The DNC also plans to revisit the primary calendar before 2028, meaning more changes for Republicans. The RNC already decided they're going to keep Iowa. 
in place as the first state in 2024. No changes there. One person very excited about this, for obvious reasons, Representative James Clyburn, who made an appearance on MSNBC's Sunday show. And here is what he had to say about South Carolina moved to the front of the line. I always said I wanted South Carolina to be in the pre-primary window. You've always been last in the pre-primary window and first in the South. And I kind of love that position. Uh, It's worked very well. But the president decided that he thought South Carolina ought to go first. And I think he did so because Iowa uh, is not as reflective of the the, uh, uh, demographics of this country uh, as uh, uh, South Carolina is. And when you look at South Carolina, it is a microcosm of this country. Uh, the PD area, agriculture, the Piedmont area, manufacturing, the Midlands, uh, education. And we have the headquarters of the Third Army, headquarters of the Ninth Air Force, headquarters of the uh, military air uh, transport. Uh, and we got Fort Jackson, Paris Island, the Marine Air Station. These things are there in that little state of South Carolina and a relatively uh, affordable media market. And you can bring candidates there and they can do things uh, to be successful going forward. And that's what history has said. So here's somebody very excited, obviously, James Clyburn. He is thrilled to death about this change, which puts his state at the front of the line. What do you think about this, especially those of you south of the border? Are you now at a place with a new sense of pride in your state? that you get moved to the top of the list, the front of the list, for the South Carolina primary. I especially would love to hear from those of you who are Democrat South Carolina voters. Because I'm sure there are some within the sound of my voice. Is this a good thing? Or would you like things to stay as they are? Just curious. In a related subject, I mentioned James Clyburn because he made news for another reason this weekend, throwing out a pretty wild idea. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. This is terrible. Some of you are so mean to poor James Clyburn. (laughs) This texture says, did you notice that Mudcat Clyburn didn't mention the corridor of shame that he represents. Jim might have easily mentioned that. Aha. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Isn't South Carolina the place where Joe Biden declared black people would be put back in chains? I don't know where he said that nonsense. Gee, I wonder exactly what Biden has promised Clyburn in getting out the black vote for him. As you know, see, this is the other significant thing. This is where this is where Joe Biden got his mojo. And James Clyburn was a significant factor in that. You may have noticed Biden's rhetoric has already begun to secure the black vote, has already Is that what this goes to? Begun to secure the black vote in a general election. Dems want to keep black voters from voting Republican. Let's keep black folks down on Uncle Joe's plantation. Oh, boy. 
Change of the primary makes our esteemed representative from the low country a kingmaker. Hmm. Let's move the Iowa caucus, and all other caucuses for that matter, to February 30th, for obvious reasons. <laughs> That's really good. You know what's funny about this? I use this as a joke all the time. When people ask me what my birthday is. I'll tell them that. You'd be amazed how many people. Oh, that's nice. They don't even stop to think, which I think goes to bigger question. How many people really listen when you're talking? February 30th. Hence the fact Democrats want to change. From Iowa to South Carolina, as first primary, to me means they found something in our system that is exploitable and plan to use it. <laughs> okay. Vince Biden's an idiot. A large percentage of his South Carolina voters were Republicans, voting for the weakest Democratic candidate at the time. Oh, okay. Just curious as to what you thought about this. Coming up, we're going to talk about... Another important issue with Congress, the perspective of James Clyburn, and this is on the upcoming speaker's race. This one is going to blow your mind. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I, I, I really can't rule out what he's saying. Because Kevin McCarthy is going to be desperate for votes. He needs, he needs 218 votes. He's got to get them. Well... James Clyburn has some advice for him. You'll hear that coming up. Back on the Vince Coakley radio program, let's quickly go out to a call from Mark. Good morning. Welcome, Mark in Hickory. Hey, Vince. A couple things about this South Carolina primary deal. First of all, I think... um, there ha- probably hasn't been a uh, legitimate primary for the Democrats in quite some time, as evidenced by Joe Biden's, you know, turning the tables on Bernie Sanders. Sanders was mopping the floor with him all over the country, and all of a sudden, lo and behold, South Carolina, bing, oh, Joe's the nominee. I, sorry, I don't buy that. And here's one of the reasons why. I don't think they've had a legitimate primary in South Carolina since Alvin Green won. <laughs> and I think there's a reason why, because they don't want another Alvin Green. Your thoughts? That That's a pretty strong statement to make. And, and I guess the question I would ask you is, how do they do it? Uh, I think there's any number of ways, especially if there's electronic voting involved. I think anytime you have no paper trail, you're, it's, a, it's an invitation for abuse. As, you know, Hawkeye told Frank Burns, you invite abuse, Frank. It would be impolite of you not to accept it. <laughs> that, to me, is electronic voting. So I, I I have to ask you, because we have a text here I'm going to get to in a bit that is a little disturbing to me. Do you participate in, in the voting process still? Occasionally. Occasionally. There's something I feel motivated to, you know, support. What, what does motivate you? Not much. Now, bond issues, I'm big on that. I love to vote no. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. But I don't think if you... You can't vote against the candidate, for example. That's not possible. You can only vote for a candidate. None of the above is never an option. Although I wish it were. 
Okay, uh, Mark, well, very much appreciate your call. I, I think there are a lot of Marks out there. There's one on the text line. Uh, this is probably uh, a person who's much further along in this process. You will hear this during the course of these texts that I share with you. Alan of Gastonia believes this changing of the process is going to backfire on the Democrat agenda. I have my reasons. What are they? Tell me what they are, Alan out of Gastonia. Is this part of a plan to turn South Carolina blue? I know North Carolina is purple right now. So they smell blood in the water as far as presidential elections go? Good question, Jeff. Here's the text that really grabbed my attention. 73-year-old naturalized citizen, I am appalled and disheartened and choose not to participate in this corrupt procedure anymore. Can I just appeal to you? This is exactly what they want. They want people like you not to show up. And this becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. The people we don't, who are the most dangerous ones, winning, and the ones we least want are going to be the ones who inevitably will win this. So I just appeal to you, don't give in to this cynicism. Vince, many will disagree, but the more games I see played by both parties with the voting system, the more I realize how unimportant my vote is. So again, I, I appeal to you, please don't give up. And South Carolina has open primaries. Yes, they do. This person saying we have paper ballots in South Carolina. Aha. Just some perspectives on the voting process in 2024. I want to quickly get to the subject of Kevin McCarthy. You've already known by now that I'm not a fan of Kevin McCarthy. In fact, I'm not even sure. Do we have the time? Let's at least go to this first cut from James Clyburn speaking on the subject. And he was raised, um, this question was raised to him. Can Kevin McCarthy get the votes that he needs to become speaker? Listen up. I think so. Uh, I don't know so, (laughs) but I think so. You know, he's been there a long time. He's been their leader for a long time. And I think that he has the levels that will allow him uh, to put together uh, the kind of uh, deals that are necessary uh, to get to 218. However, uh, if there are uh, seven or eight people vote for him, then I'll advise him uh, to look on the other side of the aisle and see whether or not there are some deals over there to be made as well. Oh, that's interesting. Like, what kind of deals? Well, you know, we want to push an agenda uh, that will make this country's greatness accessible and affordable for all of its citizens. And I just talked about the South. And I just talked about the parts of the South that been left out so much of this. And I think that if we could sit down together, uh, we might be able to forge uh, an agenda that would be acceptable uh, to 218 people. Hmm. Did you hear what he's suggesting here? Find some of the votes from Democrats. Find people who you can have some consensus with, who are going to accept 
some of your ideas. But you have to understand here, and what Clyburn is basically saying, you got to come our way. That's what he's saying. you got to come our way and agree on some things, and you might get some Democrats to peel off and vote for you as Speaker. Would Kevin McCarthy do this if he has to? I don't have a doubt in my mind. This man wants to be Speaker so bad he can taste it. We've got more on this coming up after Musical Monday. I think you're going to like this one, a commentary on what's happening to our culture. Stay with us. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. From the heart of the Carolinas, aiming the cannon of truth at strongholds of stupidity. Who, who are black people supposed to call? Ghostbusters? So we need to stop that beef on and polish the cops crap. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Hour number two of our broadcast... A periodic feature of this program, I have named Musical Monday for a variety of reasons, different songs that I just feel motivated to share with you. One of the things I want to remind you again, one of the most important things about this is messaging. Messaging. I think the left really gets this. And this is one of the reasons why they are so successfully impacting our culture. But things that they enjoy. I'm talking about younger people. And so along the way, we're like, and I'm just giving this as an example. The, uh, and I I get it. There are people, for instance, who are more traditionalist in church. They're into hymns. I don't want to do these choruses. I remember a lady. She was a dear lady. Loved her to death. Wonderful Christian lady. Did not like the transition to choruses in a lot of churches. In her mind, the the old hymns, they're sacred. They're spiritual. This new stuff coming out, it's crap. In fact, it might be demonic. Depending on who you listen to. I come back to the idea, most importantly, of messaging. What's the message communicated? And some of us have to get beyond our personal preferences and think, okay, how is this going to speak to others? And can I discern a message out of something? I may not even be a big fan of the music, but wow, this is a really clever way of communicating a message. This was clever way back when it came out. In fact, I'm trying to remember when this song came out. I am, I've got to tell you, I've got to be honest with you. I was part of that crowd at the very beginning when I heard this Christian music coming out. Contemporary Christian music. What in the world is this stuff? You know, I remember Jimmy Swaggart referring to the Dove Awards as the Buzzard Awards. <laughs> He was not pleased with the direction things were going musically. But anyway, this is a song from way, way back from a group called Whiteheart, which speaks to what's going on with our culture and how the message that is communicated largely in Scripture is uh, not one that's embraced today. And it's, the question that's posed is, 
What would happen if the devil actually wrote a Bible? What would he actually say in it? Here it is. The song is called Black is White by the group called Whiteheart. Listen up. Whiteheart is the name of that group. The song is Black is White. From 1982, the group inducted into the Christian Music Hall of Fame, November 6th of 2010. Boy, is that message really uh, quite straightforward. Do things, live your life just as you please, do things your own way. As long as you don't hurt to nobody, you're free to play the game. You can keep on winning if you play my way. Hmm. Quite a powerful message there. It's always funny. I get the biggest kick 
out of the reactions <laughs> from people. <laughs> this is too funny. Vince, I'm guessing most of the people disliking that song would definitely hate Christian metal. Oh yes. <laughs> they definitely would. That would be uh that would be cause for an exorcism. Texter in the upstate, that song sucks. Vince, good lyrics. It still sounds like jazz. Does everything sound like jazz? I'm just curious. Another person saying, listen to Living Life Upside Down by For Him. Similar message. Person responding to what I said about Jimmy Swagger and his assessment of much of Christian music. Remember, Jimmy Swagger was caught with a prostitute. Said with general effect. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Talk about strain it, gnats, swallow camels. Yeah. Much more as we continue the broadcast, as I mentioned. Going to hear a little bit more from James Clyburn on this issue of the House Speakership. We'll talk about the Georgia Senate race. This one's down to the wire. Voting already underway, although the election is tomorrow. I'm going to share a really good post from Justin Amash. He's no longer in Congress, but man, he has a great, great post. And if time permits, we'll talk about a very important Supreme Court case that I'm very much concerned about. That much more as we continue our Monday broadcast. Stay with us. Back on the Vince Coakley Radio Program, if you'd like to join the conversation, you are free to. The Ingalls Markets Talk Line, 800-938-1110. Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line, 71307 on that text line. (laughs) Scrolling away, ladies and gentlemen. Here's a person responding who apparently is on the other side of this contemporary Christian music theme. We dislike the music because people worship the music. And the ability to dance in the church as if they're in a disco rather than worshiping the Lord. The old hymns have a biblical message. Aha. I think you're concerned about sensuality. That's what I detect here in your text. Which is a legitimate concern. Can I suggest your music on Mondays be Christmas related like Silent Night from The Temptations? Oh, that must be good. Not into contemporary Christian music, really like the jazz tune. Forget the jazz haters. Keep it coming. I like to hear music I might not otherwise have heard. Quite intriguing. Vince, that song had a great message. Epitomizes the world we're living in today. However, that would not be a song I listen to while making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Simply because I cannot jam to it. Jeff, you're cut off today. Oh, no. That's worse than my material. That really is. It's worse than my material. Oh, boy. It's your taste for jazz. Tells me you're one cool cat. I'm grooving on a little 70s vibe with Tom Scott and the LA Express. Stay deep and cool, my friend. Thank you. This person with a little bit of adjustment of a text earlier, Living Life Upside Down, was a song by the group Truth, not for him. The guys in Forum were originally part of Truth until they formed their own group in 1990. Russ Lee was the singer of the song in Truth and later became the lead singer in the group New Song. Great song. If you want to check out the lyrics online. Sounds interesting for sure. Truth was another one of my favorite groups back in the day. Really enjoyed 
they're using. In fact, oh my goodness, you now have given me an idea for Musical Monday with a Christmas theme. Oh, wow. I, I can hear this song right now. In fact, I'm making a note. Bear with me because I'm going to use this next week. Um, wow. You know, it kind of, it almost gives me goosebumps to remember this song because it's, it's really a, a great tune, but I digress. I want to come back to one brief mention of Jim Clyburn. I told you already, he's suggesting that the pathway for Kevin McCarthy to get his 218 votes may have to include some Democrat votes. Here is what Jim Clyburn additionally has to say about the possibility of a Democrat deal. Listen up. That's what I'm here. Sit down with Hakeem Jeffries and talk about the future of this country. Talk about doing as many things as we possibly can in a bipartisan way. That's how you do it. You bring votes to the table. We bring votes to the table. Let's see what we can do about fashioning a bipartisan approach to making this country's greatness accessible and affordable for all of its citizens. What's wrong with that? Uh, Hakeem Jefferson is going to be our leader. Uh, he would be the one for him to talk to. And I suspect he will be consulting uh, with Nancy Pelosi, who is uh, one of the best at uh, this sort of thing. Okay, so he's saying, have a talk with the new incoming speaker about this. <laughs> not not the speaker, but the incoming leader of the Democrats. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. If anything, he's going to try to pick off some Democrats who might be, you know, low-hanging fruit. We're also keeping a close eye on Georgia, what's going to be the real impact anyway? Well, I think it kind of solidifies their ability to do some things that could be very dangerous to this country. With the possibility of having 51, 51 votes. That's what's at stake for the Democrats. Raphael Warnock, Herschel Walker doing their final campaigning, final plea for votes. And the signs are of a growing momentum for Warnock. GOP hopes fading, according to Politico. Both parties expecting a close outcome. A very close one. But from Warnock's first place finish in the first round of voting to scattered polling and temperature checks of Democratic and GOP operatives, Indications are Warnock heads into Election Day as at least a slight favorite to win a full six-year term. James Shepard, former chair of the Cobb County GOP, said, I think a lot of Republicans are hoping we'll be pleasantly surprised. But there aren't a lot of indications out there to base that on. Just a lot of hope and faith in things unseen. It's the Christmas season after all. Man, he's right about that. I'm just being real with you here. I I think in many ways, Herschel Walker has proven to be a horrible candidate. I'm, I'm just being honest. There's part of me that hopes he pulls this off miraculously and kind of pulls his act together. 
but I, I'm I'm skeptical, really skeptical. Over the weekend, Warnock had the heavier schedule of the two. Saturday and Sunday, he sprinted to six events in various cities while delivering a sermon at Ebenezer Baptist Church, where he serves as senior pastor, told people there, voting is a form of prayer. Of course it is, because politics is religion. Remember that. Warnock warned repeatedly on the campaign trail, record-breaking turnout, early voting does not guarantee victory. Democrats have been encouraged. The large early vote totals mean a significant portion of their votes have already cast ballots. Their voters have already cast the ballots. Republicans will need to make up some serious grounds with the Election Day turnout. They have got to turn out. So, I don't know about you. I um, I think this is going to be um, a real... Um, I, I suspect it will be close, but I'm just being honest by saying I'm not very optimistic here about the candidacy of the Republican challenger, Herschel Walker. Maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. By the way, I promised earlier in this broadcast that I would tell you what they are prioritizing in the lame duck session of Congress. So I want to get to that first. Uh, also a post by Justin Amash, which is absolutely excellent. And I think if time permits, I think we'll be able to address both of these. Wow, it's a miracle. Um, I really wish Justin Amash were still around. But unfortunately, no. Uh, just a lot of common sense libertarian ideas that, well, it's not sexy right now. I'll tell you what he has to say and much more as we continue our Monday broadcast. Stay with us. Back on the Vince Coakley radio program over on the text line. Darn Vince, you call yourself a Christian endorsing a wife beater, fake cop who forces women to get abortions? Over a pastor? Wow. <laughs> I love I love this text. Because it doesn't tell you everything about that so-called pastor. I just ask you, which pastor is this kingdom working for? I'm just raising that question. What is consistent about being a, quote, Christian pastor and being a socialist? Which basically... In my view, is idolatry. It's the promotion of the state as God. That's where this is going. This is where this country is going. So that's how. And and by the way, I have not endorsed anybody. I've made some bad choices. I made a choice of someone bad over somebody, someone who's terribly bad. How's that? Don't know about you, Vince. I think watching the Georgia Senate election results come in will be tantamount to simultaneously watching the slow destruction of our country. I'm hopeful that will not be the case, though. Stan out of Fort Mill. On the subject of dancing, are there not many verses in the Bible that encourage singing and dancing and praise to the Lord? Didn't David himself dance into exhaustion to the embarrassment of his betrothed wife? Seems fair to say God judges the hearts of his children in their earthly endeavors. Does our personal critique of such things have more to say about the condition of our hearts in making such judgments of our brothers and sisters? Just wondering. Thank you for your faithfulness and ministry, brother. 
Well, thank you. I absolutely appreciate that. I, <laughs> I it's kind of interesting. The things that I think back over my lifetime, and I've been guilty of it, that I have judged people for. They have nothing to do with the kingdom of God. Nothing. Ideology has everything to do with it. Everything. Hmm. Interesting. Some of the items here. I want to quickly get to a couple of items before the end of the broadcast. One of them, I've told you about the priority that should be our pro- our power grid. By the way, there's a great post on social media from our good friend Diane Hardy. Where is that? Because I want to share this with you. She mentioned a friend in Western North Carolina. Um, here is that post. She mentioned this mentions this friend in the affected area in North Carolina. Still has no power due to the vandalism of two substations Saturday night. Our electrical grid is so vulnerable to numerous threats, including EMP and solar flares. But our federal government does little to secure or harden it, which can be done. Other countries have done it. Why don't we? Only 10% survival one year post-EMP attack. Why aren't we making this a priority? Diane Hardy, very appropriate question. Because it is not a priority. You want, you want to know what is the priority during the lame duck session of Congress? You ready for this? A bar- bipartisan group of senators plan to attach significant marijuana legislation to must-pass year-end bills. <laughs> I'm not kidding you, folks. This is real. The group led by Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has the Justice Department's blessing for legislation letting cannabis companies access banking institutions and creating grants for state expungement of past marijuana convictions. In an email reviewed by Axios, the Justice Department said it would be able to implement the revised legislation. Earlier this year, the Justice Department sent a memo to the Senate with concerns about the potential implementation of the bill. The targeted legislation resulted in the pairing of two bills, Secure and Fair Enforcement Banking Act and the Harnessing Opportunities by Expungement Act, SAFE and HOPE. That's what those acronyms are for. That would attract both conservatives and progressives across Congress. The latest changes to the bill ensure the legislation does not unintentionally make it harder for law enforcement to prosecute other crimes involving other drugs or money laundering. Schumer and the bipartisan group plan to attach this legislation to a must-pass year-end bill like the annual National Defense Authorization Act. This stuff makes me so mad, I want to spit. Remember I told you this is the, these are the kind of games that they play. Schumer and Senator Jeff Merkley have been working with Republicans for months, including Senator Steve Daines, Rand Paul, and Dan Sullivan. I think you get the idea here. And there may be some legitimacy to this in terms of this being a priority and attaching it to legislation for our Defense Department. This is inexcusable. This is an abomination. It should be able to stand alone. Stand alone. Let me very quickly, because I think it's very 
relevant to what I just shared, share with you a post from Justin Amash. Strong libertarian. The United States is functionally an oligarchy. Three people direct almost all federal policy. The president, the speaker of the House, and the Senate majority leader. As speaker, I would break this corrupt power structure by letting our elected representatives legislate again. I would push for single-issue bills. Let committees work through bills without interference. Ensure rules are followed, not regularly suspended, waived, or ignored. Allow amendments from the floor. Give members adequate time to review bills. Ask for recorded votes and in proxy voting. This is what Justin Amash suggests. But this isn't very sexy, is it? But is this not so desperately needed in Washington right now? And I would dare say again, I don't think this is going to be done without a convention of states. I really don't. These folks really are not going to do what they're supposed to do. It's that simple. Stay with us. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program.